Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, my name's Bob. I'm reading the Bible this morning to continue our sermon series of Colossians. But I just wanted to start with a small prayer, a prayer for hearing God's word. Heavenly Father, give us faith to receive your word, understanding to know what it means, and the will to put it into practice through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, the passage this morning, Colossians 3, 12 to 17, on page 1184. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Prash. I'm the senior minister here. It's a very warm welcome to you all. It's good to see you, new regular visitors. Or um, you, if you are new or you're visiting um, this, or you pop back after a while, uh, or you're tuning in online. Um, we, uh, we have a little moment in our St. Stephen's calendar, it's not part of the church calendar, so to speak, it's a St. Stephen's moment, we call Gift Day, which is what uh, Pippi was referring to, and that's today, it's an opportunity for St. Stephen's uh, regulars and members to give um, a one-off gift of thanksgiving to the ministry and the life of the church. Uh, Neil and Gordon will talk about that later, but that kind of is overlaid on our thinking this morning as we look at God's Word. But in line with that, we're actually looking at the book of Colossians, a New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, we're up to chapter 3 this morning, and so we're going to see how those two ideas intersect, gift day and what Paul's talking about. Uh, and so let's pray that God might grant us wisdom in that task. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Please help us by your Holy Spirit to apply to our hearts and minds and so make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, uh, there was a survey done recently, released. They surveyed just, um, they surveyed Australians in general. This is not churchgoers. This is not people who are generally identified as religious per se. But they surveyed Australians uh, about faith. And here's what they said. There lots of questions. This, this was one of them. How would you describe the Christians you know? I don't know how you might think your surrounding community would answer this question. But here's the answers. I hope you can see them. We've got a number of extra screens in the building nowadays, so maybe it's possible. If not, I'll read them out to you. Uh, generally, if you're looking at this graphic, everything that's in green is a positive view of Christians. Everything that's red is a negative. What strikes me immediately is that actually the top results are all positive. This is what people generally think about Christians. And, uh, you know, 53% say 
the Christians they know are caring, 50% say they're kind, 46% say loving, 45% say faithful, all the way through to 26% say intelligent. That's all right, I'll take that. Uh, 25% old-fashioned, that's where it kind of trends. That's not necessarily a bad thing, although I suspect they're taking it as a negative in this case. Uh, but then it gets down to things like 9% are intolerant, 7% divisive, 6% insensitive, etc. Does this surprise you? Does it surprise you when you think, actually, 50% of non-church people who know me think that Christians, the first thing they'd say about them is they're caring. That's, that's, I think for a lot of people, this is a surprising response from our culture, how they think of, uh, of the Christians that they know. I don't think it should surprise us, though. I don't think it should surprise us because look at how Paul says in this letter. Now, if you're just joining us after a while, here's what's been happening. We talked about in Colossians, Paul's view is that Christians are people who've been relocated from one to another, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's son, Jesus. And he says, as you've been relocated, and we talked about this last week, you should be someone who is changed radically, who's transformed. Something has really taken place in your life. Last week he said there's a whole heap of things that you get rid of, in a sense, in that transformation. This week he says you should put a whole heap of things on. And so he says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, do you notice how those words correlate quite closely with the descriptors in that survey? It shouldn't surprise us, actually, that this is how lots of people encounter the Christians they meet, because these are the things that they're meant to put on. My slides have crashed, Graham. Could you click me forward, please? Thanks. These are the things that we should put on, the very things that they see in us. This is the transformed life. And the thing about this list is this is not an arbitrary list of um, characteristics. In fact, they're often repeated in Paul's writings. He will use many of these words. The fruits of the Spirit in Galatians contains a number of those words. Oh, hang on, go back. There we go. Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. These are, all, these are all words that Paul regularly says Christians should have. He hasn't just picked a couple of words for the Colossians, although there is a bit of a correlation if you look back at chapter 2 where he talks about the heretics, the people who are leading the Colossians astray. Some of these words are direct opposites of those people. But generally speaking, this is a fairly common list of characteristics for God's people. And there's a reason for that. It's not just because these are the words that Paul thinks should describe, but these are the ways that he sees Christ behaving himself. In a sense, Paul is saying you should clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. If you, don't think, if you think it's a stretch, look at what he says in Romans 13. He says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul is saying... All of these things are actually characteristics of Jesus. And if you look at the Gospels and you've you've studied who Christ is, and if you haven't, come and do that with us in one of our courses. But once you read about Jesus in the Gospels, these are the characteristics that strike you about Christ. And so in a sense, God's people who are transformed are people who clothe themselves with Christ. 
They look more like Christ. I mean, look at how Jesus describes himself in Matthew 11. He says, I am gentle and lowly of heart. No wonder he asks his people to be gentle and patient and humble. And no wonder Paul says, clothe yourselves with Christ. What does it look like to be someone who's transformed? It is on one level to put off a whole heap of behaviours, but on a positive level, it is to put on all these other things. At the heart of it, you could summarise as to put on Christ. Now, the reason I think this is interesting is we're talking about gift day, okay? At St Stephen's, if you're not aware, in about 2020, we, uh, in the midst of a pandemic, uh, recast our sense of our vision for the church here in, St. St- uh, in Willoughby, in our time and in Chatswood. We said, what, is, what do we think God says as our purpose and place uh, as God's people here? And we came up with this vision statement uh, for it's what it's worth. We long to be a church made beautiful, diverse, and large by the gracious work of Christ. We said, this is the thing that we long to see happen in our church. Now, we didn't just pick those words arbitrarily. We reflected on Scripture and what the Bible said is at the heart of God's people. One of them was beautiful. And when we talked about being a church that's beautiful, we've repeatedly said this is not an aesthetic thing as much as a character thing. And so we said to be beautiful is to be a church that's filled with people who live and love like Christ. Uh, the reason I've used this particular slide is this slide comes from our belonging course. It comes from our strategic um, plan or ministry plan for a church. It's the thing that we just have talked about before. So I've purposely used that old slide to show you that when we came up with that, that is a principle that's found across Scripture. At the time, we said, look at Ephesians 4. He's a, the vision of the church. It's God's people growing to be more like Christ. But actually, we see here in Colossians 3, this is not just... This is not just a little a, a verse that we've proof-texted into our vision statement. This is the heart of transformation of God's people. They become more like Christ. And so actually our vision for us as a church is that we would be people who live and love like Christ, that we'd be like Christ in our character, our purpose, and our service of one another. And that's really important, actually, because when you look at what Paul's saying in Colossians 3 character in the Christian life is not something that takes place on an individual level, but is always expressed in community. And so he says, bear with one another, forgive one another. You cannot express your characteristics, your Christ-likeness as an individual, but only in the context of community, only in the context of community. You can't say, I'm a gentle person in and of myself. I mean, ironically, people do say that. But you can't. You can only be gentle in the context of a relationship with another person. So Christ-likeness happens in the context of community. And so our, our vision statement is a vision for a community that's like that. That's the kind of church we want to be. And, and there's many aspects to living and loving like Christ. There's many ways that that could be summarised. For today, because it's gift day, I do want to encourage and impress on us that part of living and loving like Christ is is material generosity, is sharing with one another, those of us who are members of St. Stephen's, sharing with one another our gifts, whatever the kind of material generosity that God has shared. There goes our picnic day, by the way. That's two from two. Those who were here early in the year will know we had a picnic day. 
which also got rained out. We'll persist next year. Uh, living and loving like Christ is sharing with one another. Now, in case you think that that is, um, that is just me extrapolating, look at the scriptures here, okay? All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This is the picture of the early church in Luke. Right? And what, is it, what does it look like as the church is formed? All the believers together and have everything in common, not just in terms of worldview and mindset. Oh, we all have the same conservative outlook. No, no, no. They had everything in common in a very deliberate sharing of their goods. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need in their community. Or here's Paul. We talked about this during our vision series. I testify that they gave as much as they were able. He's talking about the Macedonians, this poor group of Christians in East Asia. right? And he says, I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. He says, they're poor, but they long to give. Or here's what John says. He says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? In other words, you actually can't, this is what I was saying, right? you can't practice your Christian, your characteristics absent of one another. To be gentle, to be patient, or to be generous, to be loving, requires actions towards another. And here's what Jesus said. Paul quotes Jesus in his speech to the Ephesian elders in Acts. And he says, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's a hallmark of the Christian life, which is a pouring out of oneself to other people. A pouring out of oneself. You see, God says what it looks like to love one another is a myriad of things, but not less than generosity to one another. Not less than it. It's a hallmark. And you can see I've picked... I've picked all different New Testament writers and apostles here. I'm not just, I'm not, this is not just Paul's view. This is the view of the whole church and God's teaching. And so I really want to encourage us in this. You're going to hear about Gift Day from Neil and uh, Gordon later in the service. I, want to, I think our goal is 50,000 for this Gift Day. That's a significant goal. It's a significant thing. And I, we, want parent, we want households to go away, as Pippi said, and actually just do, be deliberate in this because there's a real opportunity, parents, um, to disciple your children in generosity in this. Don't just make a decision. As much as we want you to be generous, we also want you to share that decision with your children. Think about it. Pray about it as a family. Right? Talk about why you think it's important. It's really valuable for our children to see us practicing generosity, but not just doing it because we think, but explaining it so that they're not confused. They don't think we're doing it because this will make God happy with us. We're doing it because we have received from God richly. But here's the thing. This is not, I'm not calling you to something new. This is actually the story of St. Stephen's. St. Stephen's is a, I am struck by, I've been this nearly three years at St. Stephen's, St. Stephen's is a beautifully generous church. I saw many examples of it during the, the especially the first lockdown. But it's, it's been a generous church through the ages. You know, the first, every piece of, every, every square metre of land that we own west of the ministry centre, so that's the car park and going that way on our site. If you haven't been on that site, it's, it's huge. That's a gift from the first senior minister to the parish. He owned all that land when he died. 
He gave it all to the ministry of this parish 150 years ago, or a little less, 140 years ago. That's just, that's the first step, but not the only. There's a list of St. Stephen's through the years. If you do the belonging course with us, you will see for the last 120 years, this church has repeatedly um, set up, established, built churches in the area. I can't actually list them all on the sheet when we go through it in the blind course because it's just this beautiful testimony to the generosity of God's people in this, on this site over the years. And that continues even now. People have given generously this year. And so as much as I want to encourage you to be generous on gift, I just want to say thank you to the, to the congregation and encourage you with the generosity of God's people again this year in ministry. There's a lot of examples of things that have happened in the life of our church this year which have been super exciting. And they have been facilitated by the generosity of St. Stephen's people. Uh, For example, the big picture there is the life course that's running now. That's the fourth of our courses introducing Jesus to people. All of those courses are facilitated by the generous service and giving of God's people. People come and serve on the night. People come and give on the night. Uh, give to make sure it happens. People experience the hospitality of St. Stephen's through food and, and, uh, and people's time. And we have seen 26 different non-Christian people do a course, be part of a course this year. We only have 120 adults come to St. Stephen's on a Sunday. We've seen 26 people come and do a course. I think that's so exciting. We've seen two people come to faith this year as a response to the gospel they've heard through these courses and through people's relationships and conversations. That is, that's, that's such great stuff. We're in a building which has, you know, big flat screen TVs at the moment, but actually if you were here uh, at the start of 2020, you wouldn't have met in this building. We met in the building next door, partly because of COVID, but partly because we see the value of next door's building for lots of things. For example, today's indoor picnic now. Uh, Bring your picnic rugs, it'll be great. Um, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a great asset which was underutilised before. But we're now here for church. People have invested in this building. We get to live stream our service to those people. There's a couple of people at home who are sick this week. Love that you're online with us. You get to see that. People who are at the back of the building, for various reasons, uh, you can see stuff that's going on. We're trying to make this place a place that anyone is welcome to. And a lot of money has been poured into that task and a lot of hours of service. The little picture is the picture of playtime. This ministry got devastated by COVID over the first two years. It dropped from regularly having 30 families at it to like two. This year, through the ministry of that team and through the generosity of St. Stephen's, we've been able to advertise and reach a new group of people. We are back to like 15 to 20 families on a Tuesday morning. Praise God for that. That is the generous... But see, here's my point. The generosity is not arbitrary. I mean, yes, it pays for the lights or it pays for the gas, but all of that is ultimately paying for people growing, growing to know Jesus, growing to love each other, growing in Christ-likeness. And so I, I just think this is, this is a great story. So Stephen's, praise God for you. Praise God for the generosity that you have displayed this year. I give great thanks for you and for the partnership I, as the senior minister here, experience with the St. Stephen's family and its leadership. It's fantastic. But I do want to say something. 
I'm not calling us to give because St. Stephen's is great. I'm not calling us to do that. Like, that's how you operate in other communities. You give to your football club or you give to your Rotary or your Probus club because they're a nice bunch of people and they provide a service for you. I'm not calling us to give. Actually, if I did that, the problem would be, eventually, you'd be disappointed (laughs) and so the giving would dry up. Because the reality of church life is it is not always what we want it to be. It's not always. Interestingly, look at what Paul says in Colossians 3. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. See, there are a lot of beautiful communities out there. There are really, actually, it's a, it's a bit of a hallmark of our culture now that people band together because they feel excluded by others. They find a group of like-minded people from whom they feel a great sense of care and comfort. And so the church is not unique in that. But I think what's unique about the church is it's a bunch of people who don't always agree on stuff, (laughs) who don't always like each other, but for the sake of the gospel have chosen to band together. In fact, there's there's an encouragement from Paul here to show unity and love to one another in spite of our problems, in spite of our disappointments and our hurts. I remember a young guy coming back from a a camp he'd gone off to. um, It was one of those kind of uh, camps where they're encouraging young men and women to go into full-time church ministry. Uh, So he goes off, uh, great, you know, encouraging talks, great music, a whole bunch of like-minded people all thinking, going in the same direction, super encouraging weekend. He comes back to church that night and, you know, at church is a bunch of girls and guys who are stressing about their assignments or they're stressing about their, their, their job or their boss or their girlfriend or their boyfriend and, and, and he just looks around and, and he's just he's so depressed as he just sees a bunch of people who are short-sighted in his mind. Uh, you know, they're just consumed by the things of this world and he says to me, we've got, we got so much to work on, it's depressing around here. Hey, welcome to the church, buddy. Welcome to the church. C.H. Spurgeon, the 900 preacher, says this. Oh. He says, give, give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had never joined a church till I found one that was perfect... I would never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been perfect. It would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. It's a well-known quote. But his point is right. The church, by virtue of the people it's calling into its building, is a church that needs to forgive and bear with one another. My clicker is really... There we go. By virtue of its community is one that needs to bear with one another, is to forgive one another. And so the question I have for us is how do we actually do that? How do we do that? How How do we keep committing to this group of people in spite of its failings? See, our tendency is to say let's keep investing in being more loving and more gentle 
But Paul says something different. He says this. This is the answer. Next slide, please, Graham. Sorry, mate. He says this in verse 16 and 17. He says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does he say? He says the key is to let the message of Christ be at the center of your community. The word of Christ must echo out. The person of Christ must be the motivation for your life together. See, we think, oh, the way we become more gentle and patient is, you know, we, we count to ten before we speak, or we, we just surround ourselves with more people who are different to us, and eventually we'll learn. I mean, those things might do something, but Paul says, no, no, you put Christ at the centre, and you focus on Christ. You let the message of God dwell in you. You come to know Jesus more. Let me, let me do a little experiment here, a little, a little um, picture, acted out picture. I'm going to get Gordon to help me out. He's going to be our Jesus figure. Gordon, could you stand in the middle of the aisle, please? Okay. Now, normally when we think about church, oh, we think, okay, how do we make this community better? Okay, um, Glenn wants to get closer to Adam, who he generally finds offensive, but you know he feels like he needs to needs to unite with this guy. So he moves towards Adam. He jumps in a in a gap group like they actually are, <laughs> and he thinks, "Oh, the more I know this guy, eventually I'll see something worthy of this guy." Right? No, that's not what Paul says. Though he says, "Now, if you can stand, I'd like you to stand." I'm asking you. If you can stand, I'd like you to stand. Okay? Now, oh, if you don't, can't stand, don't worry. You can just watch, okay? Don't feel bad about that. Now, as much as is possible from where you're seated, praise God for pews, uh, take one step towards Gordon, would you, from wherever you are, as much as is possible? Ah. Oh. Yeah. As much as this, this day and age of COVID, Gordon's feeling slightly claustrophobic. Um, what we see has happened here is by drawing close to Christ, we have also drawn closer to each other. Okay? Thanks, you can sit down. Well done, everyone. See, this is the point that the Scriptures is driving home. This is where the church is different. Okay? You grow, the horizontal stuff matters, but is actually built on the vertical stuff between you and God. Draw close to Christ and you find the resources to draw close to one another. See, here's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, says. He says, I'm a brother or sister to another person through what Jesus Christ did for me and to me. The other person has become a sister or brother to me through what Jesus Christ did for her or him. Christ is the key. We're not in the job primarily of socialization here. We're doing something far more important. And so the word of Christ must dwell. This is why we re renamed our connect groups to gap groups. Because some people over the course of time had thought that the primary job of connect groups was to connect us to each other. The primary job of connect groups was to give us a fresh vision of the gospel and to draw us to God in prayer, which of course would then flow on to others. 
We're recentering ourselves. And so even in, even in this moment, as we're called to love one another by Paul, we do it by loving Christ first. Loving Christ. And why is this essential? Look at the two reasons that Paul gives in this as we finish. He says, first of all, forgive. Why? As the Lord forgave you. See, when we put Christ at the centre, when we understand, oh, I need Christ, we realise Christ had to die for me. And what that will do for you is it will sober you about yourself and your sense of self-importance. You think you're too important to bear with this person, but remember, Christ died for you. You think your time is too important for these people, but remember, Christ died for you as much as he died for them. It will sober you. And as a result of sobering us, right, it, it, it changes us, though, the gospel as well. The good news on the other side of the gospel is that here's what Paul starts as though. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, the result of coming to Christ is we become God's chosen people. Holy, set apart, and dearly loved. Loved by God. Cherished by God. And that actually suddenly becomes the key loving others you see being loved by them being served by them becomes less important now because you're loved by god himself you're loved by god cherished by him to the point that his own son went to the cross for you and and many of us can put on a veneer of gentleness and humility and even service but deep down in our hearts there's a bitterness a resentment a cynicism that's still tied to us. But it's the gospel that deals with that so that you don't have to fake it anymore. Because the gospel deals with all the things that are bubbling away, all your sense of, I've been forgotten, or no one cares for me. Oh, but the gospel speaks directly against that. You have not been forgotten, you've been chosen. You are not cared, far from not being cared for, you are dearly loved by God. You're dearly loved. And then your service, your love for people, your gratitude towards them, your gentleness, our humility towards one another becomes a much more coherent expression of who we are. Praise God for that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. Might it dwell richly amongst us as we teach and admonish one another so that we might grow to be like Christ that we might clothe ourselves with his character and so that people would encounter a gospel filled with gentleness, humility, kindness, patience, a gospel that is clothed with Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.